0: We will get into the Bible in a moment, but I have one housekeeping announcement that's a big one. Are you sitting down? Duh, yes. So, let me do a little backstory before, oh, not yet. Sorry. So, the San Carlos Chamber of Commerce has decided to move their farmer's market from Thursday evenings to Sunday mornings, year round. Don't be gloom. This is good. I mean, this is awesome. We I mean, have 2,000 people down there we get to interact with and buy corn from. Anyways, so, um, or carrots, whatever your preference is. So, we've got some notice, and we as a leadership met, and uh, we have decided as a church it's going to be best for us to switch our service from 11 a.m. to 10 a.m. for various reasons. And the main reason is parking and surrounding streets fill up really quickly. <laughs> And summertime is the perfect time to begin to gather together earlier in worship, right? Baseball season is starting, and no, that's not not the reason. Football season will be here. Just kidding. We don't go there. But the thought behind it is the adult class. Go ahead with the slide now. Thank you. I've kind of spilled the beans. The adult Sunday school class has agreed. We asked their opinion about an hour and a half ago. We thought we'd get it. And uh, they want to meet at 9 a.m. And they want to meet from about 9 to 9.50 and then come to worship here, everything else will stay the same. Um, In my experience with uh, flea markets and different things, vendors will come early and set up, so we've asked the city council and the city to keep the big apparatus away from our church. Hopefully they'll accommodate us that way, the big trucks, you know what I mean? Um, And we're gonna ask right now, myself included, anyone young and able, we're gonna start asking people to park farther away So we can save some of the closer spots for those who need it. And we're all going to get in that together, right? Um, Parking will be the same as we begin to worship. And they are going to start June 5th. So we're going to do a two-week trial run. So May 22nd is in seven weeks, give or take. We're going to meet and worship at 10 a.m. We'll be doing email, text, website, different blasts. But we just want to let you guys know, church, this is an awesome thing. There are between 2,000 and 3,000 people who are gonna be right around our corner on Sunday mornings. Um, We can interact. We're looking to maybe get a tent in different seasons and share the love of Christ that way and offer services. And we're looking to even maybe potentially play music down there one day. So there's a lot of things we could potentially do. So see this as an opportunity. It's gonna be good. Trust me. So uh, if you have any questions, please come see me, Jeff. Jeff. Layla's putting her head down. She's like, see Dave or Jeff and others. And um, it's going to be a good thing. So we're going to go together, uh, forward together in that, maybe onward. It'll be great. So uh, you'll be getting a ton of information. So um, I'm going to pray because I covered the announcement, right? And San Carlos Chamber of Commerce is right down there. Go ahead, Bob. Oh, go ahead, uh, Pam. So Kids Sunday School will be at 9 There she goes. Kids Sunday School will be at 9 as well. Thank you, Pam. So both adult and Kids Sunday School will start at 9 a.m. instead of 9.30. Half an hour. Everyone go, oof. How many are up before 7 o'clock every day anyways? Turn around and look at your brothers and sisters. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for change. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity to move with you, Lord. And uh, we trust you and we trust that what you're doing is good both for this community and on this corner, and give us the grace to see it that way and run with it, Lord. So help me now, and um, help us all see Jesus for who he is. In Jesus' name, amen. So church, we are entering into a sermon series. It's kind of interesting, because most sermon series are either three months or three years, depending on what type of church we go to, right? Maybe three weeks or three years, I should say it that way. We're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And before we do that in the weeks to come, we need to do some homework today about who gave this sermon, Jesus. And I'm going to call it Sunday work because we're not at home, we're at church, right? So we're going to dive in and do some Sunday work. And we had a great men's breakfast yesterday. If you're available the 7th of May, come. We eat lots of food and we got in the Bible for about 25 minutes, it was just, here it is, boom. So they got a prequel to the sermon, sorry gentlemen, but you can answer all the questions now. And the point I want to show us and I want all of us to see is the the difference between Word of God, lowercase w, and Word of God, capital W, because the Bible makes a difference. But sometimes we get confused, right? So we're going to look at that. And we're going to get to John 1, as Russ read, but quickly I'm going to go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, a couple of verses here to kind of try and get the mindset of Peter. Remember Peter, he walked with Jesus and put his foot in his mouth to Jesus and was bold for Jesus and then denied Jesus. He was all of us is what I'm saying, right? And after Jesus was resurrected and ascended to heaven, Peter was one of the apostles who really took the ground running. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Go ahead. This is Peter writing to Christians, reminding them of a very amazing truth that we've been forgiven in Christ. And he says this, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere Brotherly love, love one another earnestly. So Peter is making the argument, you can't just believe in Christ and his death and live however you want. Because if you do it that way, you are proving to everyone that your belief in the gospel is futile. He's saying our belief in Christ gives us the desire and the power to be obedient to God. It's the evidence that we've, had relationship with Jesus. Next one. Here's the, here's the, I just gave it to you. Since you have been born again, we've heard that, since you've become a Christian, not of what? Perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding, what does the last line say? Some of us might think Jesus' message was great but upon reading scriptures like this, I must not simply walk in the gospel truth of Jesus, but I must obey and do everything right according to this book or I won't be right with God. If you don't believe me, you haven't been to many churches and you don't know much about big religion. That's called legalism. Obey the rules and God might forgive you. Jesus actually came to abolish that by fulfilling the gospel of grace. So here we go. How are you forgiven? How are you born again? Through whom? Through the death of Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit, through God himself. So what I'm getting at is Peter was saying to this young band of believers, God alone takes someone from perishable to imperishable, not pages in a book. That's hard, right? Because that's confu- I'm not here to confuse anybody. I don't want to confuse anybody, but I want us to get to the truth of who Jesus is so as we go forward in the Sermon on the Mount, we might be instructed because the Sermon on the Mount is counterintuitive. It's against human nature, and we need to see who's saying it because they are dependent upon each other. Jesus' instructions to us are dependent upon who he really is, that's what I'm getting at. And if he's not God, if he's not the word of God, this sermon we'll study takes on new meaning, I would argue less of a meaning. We must understand what Peter is saying. Next slide. Peter is saying in that verse, the word of God is Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. People would have got that. People would have known that sometimes were removed with fancy leather books. And I love the Bible, but I don't want to confuse the Bible with Jesus Christ. I'll I'll tell you what that means. That sounds heretical almost, right? But stay with me. Give me another 22 minutes. Peter is saying the word of God is Jesus Christ. Next slide. This was my tendency for many years. Maybe it's yours. I'm not here to cast judgment or shame, I'm here to enlighten by the word of God. We have a tendency to hear word of God and think what? The Bible. Yes, and it is the word of God. But let's dig deeper. If we go too far with this tendency without without seeing the difference, we can make theological mistakes They can have consequences in our thinking and our understanding of God and as your pastor, I don't want us to make mistakes. <laughs> I want us to see the Bible as it was given to us. Next slide. So I don't want to confuse you. So here, the pastor, the Bible is the word of God. It is. I'm not saying it's not. In a secondary sense, and I'll get through that. That's all what the whole sermon's about. Okay, so that's where we're going. It is the word of God. And I'll give you the big punchline, I don't want to spoil it. Here's the punchline. The Bible is the word of God when and only it faithfully bears witness to the true word of God, Jesus Christ. I know you're confused, hang with me. Cults and false religions are started the other way. Heinous doctrine which hurts people are started the other way. The Bible is the word of God, and its primary function is to point and show and cast light on the living word of God, and his name is what? Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me, and you have 10 minutes this week, YouTube something like Bible used to protest funerals, and just you'll see it all. That's how cult-like behavior started, right? So the Bible is the Word of God, and its primary focus is to point to the Word of God. His name is Jesus, and I'll show you. Peter alludes to one Christian being born again by what? The Word, and we know that Jesus alone, through the power of his Spirit, God is what I'm saying, has the right to make a person a new creation, not a book. So hear me, church. You know this. You were born again by encountering Jesus Christ. That's who changed you. And that's good news. And hear me in this. I don't want to confuse anybody. Believing the Bible can be different than believing in Jesus. And I'll get there. i got a few slides for you. I don't want to confuse you. How many of you believe Webster's Dictionary, what it says? I believe it. Lots of words in there, right? Is my belief in Webster's Dictionary the same as my belief in my wife, Jessica Johnson? No. I'll say it again. Is my belief, I use the same word, believe, in Webster's Dictionary and its information, the same as my belief in this person, Jessica Johnson? The answer is no, nor is it for you. I believe Webster's Dictionary is a faithful, trustworthy, accurate source of information. That's what I believe. And if someone said, what's the definition? I would probably go Webster's.com, or whatever I would do, right? But to say I believe in Jessica Johnson is a completely different statement. Next slide. One, the first, my belief in information and thought-provoking situations, I'll say it that way, is different than my belief in my wife. I wanna show you this way. Again, my aim is not to distract you or confuse you. Are you there yet? It may be difficult to see the distinction, but it's crucial as we dive forward. Next slide, Kim. There's a huge difference here. When I say I believe in my wife Jessica Johnson, what am I actually doing? I am confessing my faith and my devotion and my allegiance into a living and loving relationship. I am confessing with my mouth and with my being that I believe in who she is, what she says, and who, what she's done, and the difference is this is a living, loving relationship as opposed to believing anything in an abstract, objective way. And that's hard to understand. When I say I believe in Jesus, I'm confessing him, living today. I'm confessing that he is God. I'm confessing that he died for me. I'm confessing that he rose again, church. And my faith and trust is in him. Go ahead, next. Next. I'll ask you a question. Maybe you can answer it in your own heart. At times, do you worship Christian thoughts in the book or do you worship the living Christ? That's a hard question. For me, at least. At times, do we worship Christian ideals found in the pages of a holy book? And I'll get there. It is holy. Or do we worship the living Christ? because the Sermon on the Mount is much more than a story in a book. It was given by a living God to all people for all time. And that's all I wanna show us today. The Bible is the word of God, again church, which bears witness to Jesus. The Bible is the sacred text of God which points to Jesus, the true word of God. Now Peter does something interesting. He says this in 1 Peter 1, 24. He quotes the Old Testament. What does he say? All flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower, what, falls. Then he goes on in verse 25 in 1 Peter 1. But the word of the Lord remains forever, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. If you're familiar with the book of Acts, what was Peter and the apostles' chief message? Was it Old Testament scripture or the living, resurrected person of Jesus Christ? It was the living, resurrected person of Jesus Christ, which, when the Holy Spirit was given, Peter and the apostles, who were very smart, confirmed the living Christ with the Old Testament prophecies before. That's how the Bible is the word of God. Pointing to who? Jesus. We should never be on an island with any verses in this sacred book. We will do harm to ourselves or to others. We should take Jesus Christ with us wherever we go in this book. And see him. Because it all points to him. You guys remember I call him JTB. John the Baptist. Remember him? He was an eclectic man. He was Jesus' what, remember? Cousin. Remember Elizabeth was doing the thing and Mary was doing the thing and leapt and all that fun stuff we read about in the scriptures. And it's interesting in 1 Peter writing this letter, quotes Isaiah 40. That was where those scriptures were from. Anybody remember in John chapter one what Old Testament scripture John the Baptist quoted? Isaiah 40. Something's happening here. Let's see it. John the Baptist in the wilderness, who is a crazy man, we'll say it that way, he began preaching. What was his message? Turn from your sin, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, okay? He was baptizing, he was preaching, he was dressed in an interesting way, and what happened in the time and region, a lot of people, more than this room, started following him. a sect of the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, said, uh, get some boys together and go find out what's going on over by the river. <laughs> go over there. What is happening? Anybody remember how John the Baptist received the religious delegation? Your pastor's saying this, don't do what John the Baptist did. Please don't do what John the Baptist did. John the Baptist said, why are you here, you bunch of snakes? Repeat the pastor, I will not do that this week. I will not do that this week. But he's preaching, and he's preaching and baptizing, and then the religious establishment comes, and he goes, why are you here, snake people? And if you aren't familiar, that was about as low and as Christian, we'll say it that way, as you could get. (laughs) That's what's happening outside. And they begin to ask him questions. We see things happening. Are you Moses or Elijah? No. Are you the Christ? John the Baptist says, no, I'm not the Christ. Are you the special prophet Moses alluded to? And he says, no, And this is what he says. Isaiah 40, verse three, John the Baptist quotes this. I am a voice who cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, and make straight the desert and the highway for our God. Confusing language, John the Baptist, when he's approached by the religious establishment and they say, are you Jesus? Are you Moses? Are you Elijah? He says, I'm none of them, I'm simply a witness to the one who's coming. I only bring this up, I want us to see this book in that way. This book is a witness from cover to cover of the one who has come, Jesus Christ. That's what it is, and it's sacred, and it's holy, and it's trustworthy. Hear me, only when we study and interpret and teach About the one who's come, who died, who rose again and ascended. Otherwise, hear me. Let's just be quiet because we're wrong. And that starts with who? Me and Jeff. Dave Bray's going to be up here in a couple weeks, Lord willing. It starts with anyone who publicly gets up and says, I'm going to open the scriptures. What does James say? Most of you shouldn't be teachers, because you better be right, and if you're not, there's tougher consequences, because you deceive people. My heart is to deceive no one ever when it comes to Jesus, ever, but when it comes to Jesus Christ. So what I'm getting at is the same way John the Baptist, in some ways, Peter wrote later, was a model for Peter when he talked about the word of God. John the Baptist's like, I'm just a witness. I'm a witness of the one who's coming as is the Bible. The Bible we have, and as we go through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is a perfect witness to the one who gave this sermon, Jesus Christ. And as I close, we'll get to Russ's scripture he read, because we want to go there. The Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18, are called the prologue of John's gospel, big word, setup, it's really the main point here. So let's read it. John 1, 1. Russ read it, but I'll read it again. In the beginning was the Word. There we go. I just copied and pasted that so the translators were doing something. You see the W on that one? Don't always trust that, but they got that one right. Remember in Peter it was lowercase? It was just what they were doing. So I copied and pasted. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word, you read it, was who? God. Hear me, church. Was the Bible there in the beginning? No. Who was there according to the Bible? That's the hard part. I want to confuse you. According to the sacred text, who was there in the beginning? God the Father. God the Son, and God the Spirit. We see that in Genesis. So I'll read it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word, I'm sorry, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And just so you know, the idea here in Greek for word, the logic of God. Logos, we get this whole idea. God's entire being was there. That's how Jesus is mentioned way back, this was way back when, but John wrote it. I just show you that To point out, the Bible, and I don't want to stumble you, is not the fourth member of the what? Trinity. The Bible, when faithfully interpreted, faithfully studied, and faithfully preached, this is the hard part, stay with me, reveals Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But let's see the word of God, lowercase w, for what it is. Perfect, without error infallible. Where do we foul it up? When we start contradicting the gospel and the teachings of Jesus when we go all over the Bible, right? That's where we foul it up. And you guys know this one. John chapter one, verse 14. If there was any doubt, it says this. The word became Flesh. He dwelt among us. I think I have one more slide. I tried to be funny. Next one, Kim. This is what it's saying. I want you to see that. And I'm not messing with the Bible. This is what John is communicating. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus, I should say is God, but was God. There we go. That's what John's communicating. That's what 14 was about. Next slide. And we know that, amen, right? Jesus became flesh. (laughs) He came and showed us glory and grace. Is there another one, Kim? That's back to John 1. In Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We're going to take communion in a sec, but this is what I really want you to hear this day. I don't want to confuse anybody. Jesus Christ, the living Word of God, preached a sermon. It was recorded for us, we believe, in its entirety, and I'm here to tell you that's very important. It's not more important than any of the parts of the Scriptures. Don't hear it. That's not what I said. But it is important because we have, from start to finish, This sermon preached by the word of God himself, and that's different. And my invitation to all of us is let's go on a journey for three months. (gasps) Let's see what the true living word of God, Jesus, said to us and all humanity for all time, and it's gonna be an adventure, you know why? Because some adventures involve risk. And when we hear what Jesus says about anger and forgiveness, In retaliation, in prayer, he says about prayer, and about anxiety, we're gonna be confronted. But the living word of God speaks. The living word of God says things like, Why are you worried about today? Monday's got enough trouble by itself. And our hearts go, Oh. (laughs) The living word of God says, If you have a forgiveness issue, don't come to church. Go seek reconciliation. Church folk don't like to f- preach that because guess what? Most of us wouldn't come to church next Sunday because we all, go, no, 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 come to church is what I'm saying. But it's an adventure, folks. The living word of God, the, the, the person the Bible was always pointing to preach for us and let's study it together. Let's go deep for three months. I don't mean all you know theoretical in this, but deep into our hearts because Jesus has something to say to all of us. No matter if we're 12 or in our ninth decade I'll say it that way. He's got something to say to us and that's where we want to get to. We're going to partake in communion. Jeff's going to come up here and lead us. We're going to sing one song during communion today. So our ushers are going to pass both elements during the song. We're trying this out. Just letting you know now. After that we'll partake all together. We'll receive the elements together. Let me pray and then we'll continue with our worship service. Father thank you for today. Uh, I would ask that we would not leave confused or perplexed, but Holy Spirit come and show us the difference between maybe even the way we thought myself for a long time and what your word is pointing to, and that's Jesus. Father, give us the grace in the next months of a church to continue to love each other, to walk down an amazing road in this sermon. Give us the grace to teach it well and receive it well, and give us the grace to be changed from the inside out. Father, I ask that our hearts would be moldable. Holy Spirit, do a work in us and show us the way your kingdom people live here and now. We thank you for Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.